Get autographed copies of New York Times bestselling author Cynthia Bryan's books at www.starstyleradio.com. Get inspired and motivated to be your best self with Be The Star You Are, 99 Gifts, and Be The Star You Are for Teens. Buy cases at a deep discount to give away as gifts and premiums. Visit www.starstyleradio.com or call 925-377-STAR. 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 Do you have a plan for your life? Do you know where you want to go? Are you looking to be happier, healthier, and wealthier while having more fun every day? Meet our empowerment architect and goddess gardener, Cynthia Bryan, as she engages in energetic exchanges with success experts, bringing you research, innovations, strategies, and techniques to strengthen your life, business, and personal spaces. Be inspired, motivated, encouraged, and empowered. Lend us your ears right here on Star Style. Be the star you are. The party starts now. Well, hello, Power Partners. Welcome to Star Style. Be the star you are. This is our informational playground, and I am your host and personal development coach. My name is Cynthia Bryan. The show is brought to you by Be the Star You Are Charity to help uh, stimulate positive media messages and get people talking around the table about things that are important in life. It's a real lifestyle show. We want to uh, motivate you and help you transform your life into what it really has the potential to be. As we all know, everybody's life is very important. Today's show, we're going to be talking about laughter, how laughter is the best medicine and how when you laugh, it makes you and everyone else around you feel better. So instead of holding grudges, we're going to learn to laugh more. Then we're going to to turn a little bit more serious because we're going to talk about the very, very deadly drug epidemic that's hit the uh, United States and people of all ages, and it's the opioid um, over-prescription painkiller that is leading to just terrible addictions. And so we're going to find out what opiates are and how the Department of Health and Human Resources is responding to the crisis and, you know, what you need to know. So most of these people who are taking opioids they took them because they had pain or surgery and then they got addicted and it literally can ruin your life and speaking of ruining your life rodents are inundating homes and gardens this year in search of food and water and wherever rodents race snakes that eat rodents follow so we'll take some precautions when you're in your garden or hiking as poisonous snakes are lurking in the grass so we're going to find out what you can do in case of an emergency as well as new ways to rid your rooms of mice and rats. And I know that's not a very fun topic, but it's an important one. It's one that we all need to do. The Miracle Moment is brought to you from Be The Star You Are Charity. Please visit the website, btsya.org. That is our community site where you can have links to the press passes and book reviews and get to our main site as well. This is from Lautsi. Nature does not hurry, yet everything is accomplished. I like that a lot. So 
L-O-L, I think it has uh, has different meanings, but the meaning I'm going to put for it is laughing out loud. So what are the benefits of laughter? There really is a blessing in sharing your laughter. It brings us a lot of joy. I know that if you watch a cartoon or you watch a funny movie or something you know, somebody tells you a joke that really just tickles your funny bone. It's a wonderful way to share a funny scene, you know, with your friends and your family. And what laughter does for us is it's so beneficial. It lowers our blood pressure. It calms our pulses. And basically, it helps release stress. So experts on healing are now saying that laughter and humor Hope and happiness are important part of any healing process. We've said for a long time that laughter is the best medicine. And so often when things go wrong, if you can just start laughing, it seems that things get a little bit better. So what are some of the other benefits? They're so numerous. And the existence of frequent warm laughter in a relationship really indicates that all is going well for you. And it gives you and your partner confidence that the problems that you face and everybody's going to face problems no matter how perfect the relationship seems it gives you that confidence that your challenges will be able to be overcome if something is frustrating that's happening to you you can ease the tension with a bit of humor to change the stress to maybe silliness now you never want to poke fun in your relationship at your mate but you can use shared humor as a way to say I know this is tough but come on we are going to get through it and then your partner will think of you as someone who is soothing and helpful and will know that when a problem happens that you are somebody that uh, he or she can lean on because what you have to represent to each other is some fun and some happiness now taking a lighthearted approach to serious matters often is the most productive one. Imagine what your days would be like if you focused on having fun and making yourself and everyone around you laugh. I mean, wouldn't that be fabulous? Fun is just good for your health. This is why, you know, exercise is good. This is why going out in nature is good. This is why taking a break is good. This is why experts say that, you know, we should, you know, you shouldn't be glued to your computer Uh, 365 days a year that you do have to take a vacation or a staycation or take breaks from time to time because we have to have fun in order to survive the not so fun days you know watch a funny movie watch a funny tv show and you'll see that your blood pressure will lower your pulse will just like slow down and you're just going to feel that stress release laughing is good for your heart and It actually gives you um, aerobic exercise and it will remind you about how good it is for you. I know in all the acting classes that I've always taught, we always do what's called a deep belly laugh so that you're laughing from your diaphragm. And we do this shared laughter where we just start laughing, we fake it till we make it. And the crazy thing is, is that laughter breeds more laughter. So as you laugh, it's like all of a sudden, even if you just faked your laughing and just the <laughs> all of a sudden you can't help it you start thinking it's funny the way you're laughing or the way your friend is laughing or whoever's next to you and next thing you know everybody's laughing so that is a really that's a very good thing to do 
Now, um, shared laughing also in, in, um, enhances your self-acceptance. You know, the paradox seems to be that having permission to be childlike and playful also gives you permission to be responsible and self-accepting. So when you are not making, you know, um, cruel remarks, you can make silly ones instead. And if you laugh with other people, you're going to feel good about it. You don't want to laugh at someone you always want to laugh with someone. You don't want to store up resentments or hold grudges against the person or persons in your relationships, whether it's friends or family, because uh, these are going to be people that are going to be around you. And so just try it. You know, try to find ways to find some laughter in difficult times. You, you know, might have a tickle button or instead of... Um, you know, holding on to those old hurts. Learn to treasure some funny lines or things that happened when you were younger or things that you did that were really stupid or silly because that really evokes an overwhelming feeling of warmth and caring for one another and that will go a really long time. The less you struggle, the more likely it is that that you're going to laugh. So, you know, laughing can be addictive, but that happens to be one of the good things that is an addiction. So you want to laugh more. I know um, this past year when my mother was in the hospital and it was it was just a very trying time for our family because she had been very healthy and things happened and um, went downhill quickly. And when it became apparent that this was going to be the end, my sister and my brother and his wife and I, we were keeping a 24-hour vigil. And, of course, everybody else in the family, and there's like, I don't know, I think there might be close to 50 of us now. Everybody was in and out all the time visiting and, you know, and saying hello and doing pep talks. But when it came down to the final hours, it was my siblings and I, that we decided we wanted to be there until my mom's last breath. But the reality was, is that even though the doctors thought that she would be dying at any moment, she literally hung on for two days, and um, and we still didn't want to leave her. So we hadn't eaten, we hadn't slept, we're sitting on folding chairs, and on the very last night, in the middle of the night, around two in the morning, when we're... Uh, I guess that my my brother and sister were having bets on if I was going to fall over in my chair because I was leaning very heavily to one side. And then you know how it is when you fall asleep in a chair and then you wake yourself up startled. Well, that was happening to me. And then we started telling stories about childhood and growing up on the ranch and, and the crazy things that we had done to each other and with each other and, you know, camping trips and things with my mom. And we started laughing so hard. And here it was this most tragic, tragic moment where a woman that we love so much was in her final, final hours. And we were laughing so hard, tears were coming down our eyes. And the doctors and nurses came in. They thought something was truly wrong with us. And um, we explained that, you know, we were just telling happy stories from our childhood and funny things. And the great thing is, 
is our mom hurt us? And I think that gave her permission to let go because I held her hand and um, said to her, Mom, do you hear us? We're laughing. We're going to get along. Everything's going to be okay. You don't have anything to worry about. Your family's going to continue. We're not going to break up. You know, we're laughing. Just squeeze my hand if you hear me. And she squeezed my hand. So the last things that she was hearing from her family was laughter. And we know for a fact with my mom being the very uh, comical person she was and the matriarch of the family, and she was so well-loved, that that this was really important to her. She didn't want to let go unless she could find out that her kids and the extended family were going to be all right. She was always worried about, What happened if she were to pass on? Would we still get along? Would we still, you know, get together and all of that? But the best part, besides what it did for my mom, is what it did for my siblings and myself and my sister-in-law, is that moment in the hospital together bound us together. Like it hadn't bound us together in years because... Obviously, once you grow up and you move away and you get married and you have children, you tend to have get a life of your own. Even though we get together often and we're a close-knit family, we hadn't laughed like that in years and years and years because we really hadn't been able to tell the stories. So having these stories and laughing out loud, it is such a bonding experience. And as we come upon a year since the death of my mom, We've organized uh, several events already uh, since she's died that were all for the family. We have another one coming up where we're going to do a big swim party with all the kids and everything. And everybody looks forward to getting together because uh, we really left a very sad time with a very happy face. So I want to encourage everyone that even in the face of disaster and tragedy and sadness, that we can put on a happy happy face. We need to spread a little laughter because laughter can make a very, very big difference. And um, that is something that I think is so important in life. And it gets back to just even smiling. You know, the gift of a smile, uh, when you smile at other people, you have no idea that the value that you might be giving to them. And people need to have that kind of affirmation and reaffirmation that who they are and what they do is, is vital. So by you know letting go, letting out, laughing, smiling, and you know just being able to be in that moment with that, um, that laughter, I think that you're going to find that Laughter diffuses a difficult situation. Laughter is contagious. And laughter can change history. I have um, uh, one little thing I was going to say about changing history. In 1984, Ronald Reagan was the oldest U.S. president ever to have served. And when he ran again for office, he was asked during a debate whether he was up to the work because of his age. And without missing a beat, Reagan said uh, solemnly, that he would not make an age political issue. I'm not, he said, going to exploit for political purposes my opponent's youth and inexperience. And the room 
Um, and his opponent was Walter Mondale, by the way. And the country, they just burst into collective laughter. We don't know what would have happened if he had said something else, but we do know that this statement was a defining moment in an election that led to a landslide victory for Reagan because laughter can help you learn. It can lift your spirits. It can change you. It can change those around you. And it can maybe even change the world. So, Laughter truly is a gift, so use it well, use it wisely, and use it often. So, LOL to you. When we come back from break, we will be talking about this terrible addiction of opioids. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We are coming to you live on the Voice America Network, and we will be right back. So, you stay put, because this next segment is very, very critical for your health, your well-being, and your success in life. I'm Cynthia Bryan. I'll be with you shortly. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Are you seeking a dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world. Lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR. 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 And visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan. www.cynthiabryan.com. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business is calling out to me. Well, as you've probably been reading in every newspaper, every magazine, its cover stories on the news, that we are in the midst of a terrible, deadly drug drug epidemic here in the United States. And it's hitting people of all ages, uh, from young teens to even older Americans, and actually hitting older Americans who are in their 60s, 70s, or older, even particularly hard. So we thought we would talk about opioid abuse and how it's harming people, just like you or your neighbor, and how you can get hooked um, after you've hurt your back at work or fallen off a ladder or, you know, caring for 
four children or maybe you got had a surgery and your doctor prescribed something there's it's just really really a crisis and we have to work together to bring this crisis to an end and at the same time to add, you know to have some hope before i go into it i wanted to just give you some statistics about teens and opioids. U.S. teenagers today are using fewer illicit substances, but their overall opioid epidemic shows no signs of slowing down. And this is according to data that was compiled by the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. Of the 12 million plus Americans over age 12 who take prescription pain relievers, Here's how many take the four drugs that are most misused. 7.2 million are taking hydrocodone. 4.3 million are taking oxycodone. uh, 1.7 million are taking tramadol. And 700,000 are taking morphine. So let me give you some background on what opioids are and some common questions before we get into more information on that. So what are opioids? They are actually very powerful drugs that act on the nervous system to relieve pain. Now, traditionally, these drugs have been used by people who are recovering from surgery or who are coping with a very painful disease or a very painful injury. Opioids are narcotics. I want to repeat that again. They are narcotics. And what that means is that they will affect your mood and your behavior. They cause drowsiness. And they work by attaching to receptors that are in the brain and other areas of the body. And then they inhibit the transmission of pain signals. Opioids can also create this immense, wonderful sense of euphoria. So that's what makes them highly, highly addictive, is that uh, fact that they make you feel so good. Now, are they related to opium, because it sounds like, you know, opioids, opium. Modern factory-produced opioids are only slightly different in their chemical makeup from opiates, which are derived from that opium poppy flower. Now, the mood-altering effects of opium have been known for centuries, and as you've probably been reading, the Middle East is now having a huge problem with opium once again as uh, people are growing opium flowers. It seems to be the biggest farming business that there is out there. Now, why is it being called an, an epidemic? It's an epidemic because prescription opioids were initially administered primarily for just ter- short-term bouts of pain. But starting in about the 1990s, doctors began to prescribe more to treat some chronic pain. Long-term use led to higher levels of addiction and then overdoses among a large amount of the population. So since 1999, the number of overdose deaths that were attributed to opioid misuse has quadrupled. And half of those deaths in 2015 were from prescription opioid drugs. And now that is really, really sad. So why are we hearing about a connection to heroin? Because you're going to hear that whenever you look up opioids. It's because heroin is an opioid that is two to three times more powerful than morphine. 
And because opioid users tend to build up a tolerance to their prescription drug, they start seeking more potent and more potent and more potent forms to feed their addiction. And in some cases, this has led addicts to heroin. And this is an illegal recreational drug. It's actually a very cheap source of an opiate hide, and um, especially as prescription drugs become harder to obtain. Now, the mass addiction is fueling more dangerous forms of heroin, and that's the scary part. In a recent trend, heroin has been laced with uh, carfentanil, a drug that is 100 times stronger than the opioid fentanyl. Now, the primary use of carfentanil, guess what? It is to sedate elephants. So if you can imagine taking a drug that is 100 times stronger than any other um, opioid fentanyl, and it's used to sedate elephants, and you are 140 pounds or something, um, wow, it's going to knock you on your feet. So the officials are responding to this crisis. The Department of Health and Human Services has administered nearly a billion dollars in grants over the next two years to states and territories for prevention programs, uh, treatment, and training for health professionals. Now, 46 states have already have caps on the quantity of opioid drugs that a Medicaid, uh, that is a Medicaid patient, those are people that are on the poverty level that are getting free or very low-cost medical care. Well, of what they can receive, and 42 states have established medical criteria that a person must meet before getting a prescription through Medicaid. Uh, Trump has created a commission on drug addiction, and it's headed by the New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, and they're supposed to be studying the issue. And Congress passed legisla- legislation in 2016 to help those that are struggling with pain and addiction. And one of the things uh, when you read about it, the takeaway that I have gotten from any kind of um, pain, if you have an accident or you have to have a surgery, is before a doctor prescribes anything to you, always make sure to ask, is this uh, drug addictive? Is this an opioid? And if they say it is an addictive drug, don't take it because it's way too early and too easy to get addicted. And it's very interesting how you can get some of the same pain relief with many other options. And uh, I know Heather Brittany has spoken about those on our show before. Now, the epidemic. In 2015, there were 22,598 Americans who died from prescription opioid overdoses. And that was collected by the uh, the Kaiser Family Foundation. And those states had the highest rates of death, 100,000 residents. And I'm going to tell you those states. And just remember, this is prescriptions. This is not off the street. So it was in this order, the top 10 number of deaths, West Virginia, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, Ohio, Maine, Kentucky, Utah, Tennessee, and Maryland. And, you know, I would have never put um, those, uh, those states on a high-risk thing. So let's talk about some of the other risks uh, with opioid now that you know what an opioid is and how, uh, and how it can affect you. Uh, let's uh, talk about how you can take action if the epidemic is affecting your life. 
Now, what should you do if you are prescribed an opioid? First of all, ask if there's a way to deal with the pain any other way than taking a narcotic. If an opioid is the only option, make sure to use as little as possible and work with your doctor on a game plan for when you're going to be off the opioids completely. And avoid activities that may be affected by those potent drugs, such as driving or making a critical decision, anything that's going to really involve your brain and fast reaction time, just don't do it. Now, what are the signs that I could be addicted? Number one is when you can't stop yourself from taking the opioid and your tolerance to the effects of the opioid is going up, you better start paying attention. If you fear that you may be addicted, just consult with your prescribing physician right away. And also the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Service Administration, they have a confidential helpline that can can connect you with a treatment service in your state. I'm going to give you that phone number right now because that could help you. You could call 800-662-HELP. That's 800-662-4357. 800-662-4357. Now, what should you do if you have any unused opioids? The Food and Drug Administration advises that you seek out a take-back program so that experts can dispose of them. You can also call the DEA, uh, Drug Enforcement Administration, and they'll find a collector for you in your area. Uh, the phone number for the DEA is 800-882-9539. 800-882-9539. And if you have to dispose of them yourself, the FA, FDA says do this. First, mix the medicines with dirt, coffee grounds, or cat litter. Don't crush the tablets or the capsules, but then mix, uh, place the mixture in a sealed plastic bag and put it in your trash. And before discarding any empty pill bottles, scratch out all personal information on the label. And I think that one's an important one. It's something that we never think about. So any empty pill bottle, make sure you scratch out all that information. And what can you do if you need to help a, an addicted friend or a family member? Well, the National Institute on Drug Abuse, that's the NIDA, they advise that you try to convince your family member or friend to get a doctor's evaluation. Go to the family physician, find a specialist through the American Society of Addiction Medicine, that's ASAM.org, or you can also go to the American Academy of Addiction Psychiatry, and that's AAP.org. Also, it's important to be positive and encouraging. Addiction is a medical matter, uh, and remember, it's not a character flaw, although it's hard not to feel that way. And it, the repeated use of opioids will change the brain, and so it takes a lot of courage to seek help for a drug problem, and that's the tough part. If you are familiar with what we call a bad doctor, and that could be a doctor who is prescribing all these illicit drugs in excess or without any legitimate reasons, you can contact your state medical board, whatever that is, and that's the board that licenses physicians. For the board for your state, there's a directory at Federation of State Medical Boards, and the website for that is F is in Frank, S is in Sam, M is in Mary, and B is in boy.org. So FSM 
www.ncfb.org. And then finally, about reporting illegal drug sales, obviously you could contact your local police or you can also submit anonymous tips either to your police or to the DEA through an online form at dea.gov forward slash OPS. Or you could call the regional DEA office that I was telling you about. And you could just go to dea.gov and they'll have a lot more information for you. So I'm going to read to you the FDA approved 18 opioid drugs. And uh, these, I'm going to just give you the generic names because drugs primarily used in surgery such as alfentanil and uh, remifentanil, they're not included in this. But um, this is, this, you know, these are the drugs. So there's uh, meperidine, tramadol, codeine, pentazoxine, dihydrocodine, tapentadol, it's hard to pronounce these, hydrocodone, oxycodone, methadone, oxymorphone, and, and hydromorphone, hydrochloride, and uh, buto, what, how do I pronounce this one? I don't even know. Butorphanol, butorphanol, I guess. And uh, uh, butonorphine, now, and then fentanyl. And compared with uh, an oral morphine, the most potent of all of these is the fentanyl. So if you are having to take any of these, it's like really and truly beware because uh, you could very easily get addicted. Now, what happens um, if you are um, if you are addicted or especially if you are an older person? And you are on painkillers, and all of a sudden you find that you are being addicted. Interviews with law enforcement members across the country, along with a review of court cases, confirmed that retirement-age Americans, they're the new source of illicit prescription painkillers sold on the open market. So why is that? Well, some are selling their pills due to a financial crisis because they need to make ends meet. Others are victims of drug dealers who target them for their prescriptions. And that's one of the reasons why you want to pull off your prescription that's on your bottle so that nobody knows who you are or what you're taking. And in some cases, caregivers and family members are actually pilfering the medications for profit or they're using them to feed their own addictions. Now, what helps fuel this troubling trend is not just the poverty that's faced by a lot of older people, but it's also their ability to easily gain prescriptions from doctors, right? Because if you are older, you're not really suspected of becoming an addict or or being a, a dealer. But And here's the thing, is a lot of older people once they discover that they can make 20 or 30 or $40 a pill on the street, uh, it becomes kind of a temptation to supplement your income if you're trying to live on $500 a month or whatever your Social Security, you know, you think, ah, it's not that big of a deal. But there's really no precise statistics to gauge the size of the problem. 
But the problem is, is that older people are selling prescription medication, and it is truly an issue. And the reason for the lack of data is because federal prosecutors are uh, are really focusing their efforts on large-scale opioid pushers. And local prosecutors say that there's just a reluctance to prosecute people who are older for selling their relatively small cache of prescription drugs. So this is a factor that has allowed the problem to remain below the radar, but at the same time, it is really a bad thing uh, that is happening because um, older people who are selling their prescriptions don't operate like traditional drug sellers. Instead, they sell, sometimes share, uh, through a network of friend and family members, and they really often don't have a good understanding of the dangers or the potential legal uh, consequences, especially people in rural communities. They just don't see anything wrong with selling or sharing prescription medications. It's kind of a culturally accepted thing to supply medication to a person who is in pain. So uh, that is one of the re- one of the reasons that it is continuing. That is. The faces of addiction have really, really changed. You'll find people who uh, have a an injury, maybe just on the tennis court. Uh, they might get hospitalized from a bad fall or whatever it is. And it, what happens is, is once they get addicted, it not only does it hurt them, but it can hurt their family, their friends, their self. It can cost your marriage. If you're still working, it can cost you your job. Uh, some people have had a car accident that has led to years of drug abuse because the prescription painkillers, you know, were pers- they were prescribed. And you might have to uh, attend like Pills Anonymous to give, up, to give up this addiction. So all of this is very, very, um, very serious, this opioid menace. And we really want you to stay away from it and to do the best you can to not go from pain to addiction. Uh, You know, by um, 2012, addiction rates and the number of overdoses had soared. 259 million opioid prescriptions were written in 2012, which is enough for every adult in the United States to have one. So... That's rather um, that's rather frightening statistics. Once before we finish this segment, I just wanted to give you some of the information once again of how you can get help. So if you have a sign that you might be addicted, call 1-800-662-4357. That's 1-800-662-HELP. If you want to uh, help a, um, a, a, a an addicted friend, you might want to check out drugabuse.gov, which will give more information and give you some courage to seek the help that you might need. To report illegal drug sales, just check dea.gov or call your local police. So I hope this has been helpful. Be very careful and make sure to ask that very important question. If you are injured in a car accident or have to have surgery or in some kind of pain, 
ask to see if the drug that is being prescribed is a narcotic. And if so, ask if there is a something else that can be prescribed to you that is non-narcotic that will still ease the pain. And there, there just are so many, many other options out there. So uh, take a peek at some of those and see what transpires for you. And also, you might want to also, um, I'm not giving a plug for it, but just remember that at least in California now, medicinal marijuana is legal and it is legal in many states and it has been known to ease a lot of pain without addiction. So you might check into that as well. I'm Cynthia Bryan. You've been listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. I'll be right back, so don't go away. Thanks for listening to me. The star you are. Be the star you are. You are the star. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. Creativity thrives in a company when management encourages people to express ideas. To stimulate motivation, invite members from local universities to speak about the frontiers of knowledge in their respective fields. Sponsor a seminar or a class that will spark ideas in the minds of your team. Send employees to conferences and encourage them to attend industry association meetings. When people are tuned into what's happening around the scope of the company's policies, innovation soars and new opportunities and solutions to problems occur. By growing the minds of your people, you grow your company. Remember, you are the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another Business Bite from Star Style. For more information, visit CynthiaBryan.com. To book a consultation, you can call 925-377-STAR. That's 925-377-7827. Be the star you are. The star you are. The annual cost of illiteracy to American taxpayers is over $225 billion. Help increase literacy, reduce violence, and improve positive media messages by making a tax-deductible contribution to Be The Star You Are charity. A top-rated nonprofit, Be The Star You Are promotes positive role models, produces positive radio broadcasts, and donates positive books to empower women, families, and youth. Be a power partner and join our galaxy of stars. Visit our website at bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation using PayPal or send checks to P.O. Box 376, 376, Moraga, California, 94556, bethestarur.org. Dare to care. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business is calling out to me. Ten rattles, a diamond pattern on the skin. This wasn't any gopher snake. 
I was out in my orchard on the hill and I was agonizing over the gopher mounds when I saw the slithering snake. And I was really excited because I thought, oh, good, I have a friend in the rodent business. So I quickly ran to get a closer look. But dang, it wasn't a gopher snake, but a crotalus oregonus oregonus, which means a northern Pacific rattlesnake. I was wearing my normal summer gardening gear, which are shorts, bathing suit top, cowboy hat, and boots. Now, I know that's not exactly the suggested outfit for wrangling a rattler. As I was counting the number of rattles, he, she, not sure what it was, because I don't really know how to tell the sex on a snake, uh, slinked into the rosemary bush bordering my vegetable garden. And all I can say, I was hoping that it wasn't a she, because this looked like a big one. It was the size of my forearm, uh, at least, you know, in diameter. And uh, she rattlesnakes can give birth to anywhere from 15 to 25 babies. So I was very much hoping it was not a female. Now, it had been over five years since I've witnessed a rattlesnake on my property. But according to the experts, because of our California very wet winter, And now our very dry, hot summer, rats, mice, gophers, bulls are ubiquitous, which means that their hunters are in abundance as well. And this season, I've had several gopher, garter, king snakes as uh, wanted guests. But the rattlesnakes, I have to admit, they just give me the shivers. Now, every summer when I was growing up on our ranch up in Napa County, It meant a meeting with at least 50 or more rattlers. I've stepped on a few in the past, and a couple snaked over the top of my boots. Fortunately, neither I nor anyone in my family has ever suffered a bite, but we did have neighbors who were bit by by these uh, pit vipers, because rattlesnakes are the only pit viper that is found in California. If you go to the south, of course, you have water moccasins, and you have other poisonous snakes, but this is the only one that we have in California. Now, all poisonous, uh, all uh, rattlesnakes, or all pit vipers, I should say, are all poisonous, and they're all potentially dangerous. And the way they kill their prey is with their venom, as opposed to the constriction that others, um, other snakes do. Now, babies are born fully developed with one rattle, and even more potent than adults. So that was one thing we were always taught. You know, if you see this little tiny baby snake, it's so simple when you see a small snake and you think, oh, look at what a cute little snake. But if that little snake has a little rattle on it, that venom is really, really dangerous. The rattles on the end of a snake's tail are used as a warning system. They alert predators or humans to stay away. And what's very interesting about a rattlesnake is that every time the snake sheds, it a new rattle is grown. So it, it sheds its skin. And I don't know if you've ever seen that. My neighbor was telling me that she, a couple weeks ago, found an entire snake skin in her backyard. And she said it was so beautiful. She picked it up and she has little kids and the kids were all very excited about it. Now, rattles can break off, and to the unaccustomed bystander, a snake without rattles might really resemble a gopher snake. So without proper identification, the best advice is just to never handle a snake in the grass. Rattlesnakes aren't always aggressive, and they don't usually strike unless provoked. However, since they seek warm-blooded prey, a human could be mistaken as food. So as rodents have been inundating homes and gardens this year in search of water and food, 
wherever those um, those rodents race, the snakes that eat the rodents are going to follow. Now, I did discover a terrific trap that zaps rats and mice dead. It's called the rat zapper, and it really it works great. I'm not a spokesperson for it. It's a girlfriend told me about it. She said she was kept catching a rat a day. I was like, really? I don't think I have any rats. But I went out. And I bought this rat zapper. They cost forty to fifty dollars, depending where you buy it. Where you buy it, you can get it at your local hardware store. You put batteries in it, depending on the model. It's either the big D batteries. I can't remember if it's two or four. I think it's two, uh, or uh, four AAA or AA. One of those. You put the batteries in it. You push a button and it lights up, and then you put like peanut butter at the very back of it. And what's so interesting is you just set it in a place that you think that rats might want to frequent, you know, because rats want to be in dark, hidden places. And it is amazing how even if you don't think you have rats or mice, you probably do. So for several days when I would set this in my garage or set it outside near my shed or, you know, I would put it like um, near a watering thing, I would get a rat. And I was pretty shocked about it. So it really is a terrific little um, trap. Now, for gophers, the best thing is to use box traps or black hole traps. Those are the ones that work best. Moles are normally looking for grubs in the lawn. They don't do much damage. A lot of people hate them, and they want to put poison in them or get rid of them. I just stomp down on their ridges. They come back, but unless they're really doing some damage, they're not eating anything. They're not eating the roots. But on the other hand, voles, which are called field mice or meadow mice, oh goodness, they are bad, bad, bad news. Because what they do is they target the root system of vegetable gardens, lawns, fruit orchards, and trees of all kinds. They will gnaw at the trunks of trees and shrubs, and they'll chew the blades and stems of grass, and they'll even eat bulbs. And They will use uh, the empty mole or gopher burrows as their runways, and they reproduce so rapidly, which can lead to a mass destruction of landscapes. So the way snap traps are the best way to catch these critters when they exert their holes. I was reading that voles can reproduce up to a thousand voles in a year. So if you can imagine, if you have a couple of voles and they're reproducing a thousand, and then you know you, you do the math, it could ju- you could be overrun. My publisher at the La Mirinda Weekly, when I was um, writing about voles. He is from Germany, and he told me when he was a young boy in his town, voles had just overtaken the city uh, uh, landscape. And so uh, he was like 10, I think. And so these young kids who were 9, 10, and 11, they were given um, the job that if they could collect voles, that they would get like 20 cents per vole tail. And they set hundreds and hundreds of traps, and they made money this way. And between all of these kids doing this community service, and they were paid not very much, but they would have to, once the vole was trapped and killed, they'd have to cut off the tail and bring it in. I I thought that was an interesting thing. And then they were paid on the amount of tails that they got. 
Now, the best protection to minimize rodent infestation is to invite their natural predators, which are owls, hawks, and yes, snakes. A family of barn owls will hunt and they can eat up to a thousand rodents a year. So that's really a, a wonderful way if you have an owl. You can install a nesting box for owls and you can put them like high in a tree. Now the hawks fly with the wind currents and they go to find their rodent restaurant. And most snakes to visit gardens uh, are not venomous, yet all snakes can bite and so they shouldn't be handled. One of my favorite snakes is a king snake. And they're beautiful, and I love when I see one in my garden because they are actually the only snake that kills rattlesnakes. And they just they can actually just grab a rattlesnake. I guess the venom doesn't hurt them, and they swallow them whole. So that's pretty. They're pretty amazing. So I love finding rat, uh, not rattlesnakes, king snakes. And I found one this year, but I hadn't gotten my rattlesnake. The California Department of Fish and Wildlife suggests the following precautions since rattlesnakes don't just reside in rural areas. If you live in hill country with plenty of open space, you know, creeks, trails, or, you know, you're in the suburbs somewhere, or you're just near open space, rattlesnakes are here, so you got to pay attention. So here are some things that you need to know. Be alert when you walk in a park or even walk in a golf course. That's important. Uh, if you're on a riverbank, obviously, you want to be really alert because especially when it's hot, snakes are going down to the riverbanks because they need water as well as they're trying to keep cooler. Wear sturdy boots and don't wear flip-flops when hiking. Now, that's my big problem. I love wearing flip-flops. Make sure you stay on the trails. Don't wander into the brush and make sure your children stay with you. Avoid tall brush, avoid wood piles and the underbrush because snakes often hide during the heat of the day and they'll come out at dusk and dawn to hunt. Before you get into your sleeping bag, if you go camping or step on rocks and logs, um, check them, right? So check your sleeping bag, maybe shake it out and step on a rock and a log. Don't try to climb over it because Snakes very often are right on the other side of the rock or the log. Watch where you step when you leave your house or a building. Rattlesnakes like to stretch out at a door threshold. I know that at my sister's house up in up on the ranch in Napa, she every year she has, you know, 10, 12 rattlesnakes that are just laying there. And remember that rattlesnakes swim. So if you see a floating stick or a branch uh, when you're swimming, and that includes in your swimming pool, do not grab it. And don't put your hand into a place that you can't see. Don't weed under bushes until you've rattled the area. And also remember that a dead rattlesnake is a venomous rattlesnake. The head has to be buried. If you have a dog, talk to your veterinarian about getting the canine rattlesnake vaccine. And for small dogs, I'm sorry it doesn't work. I've known many small dogs that have died from a rattlesnake bite. But a large dog, it could be life-saving. And if you are in an area and you don't want to deal with dealing with snakes, you could hire a snake wrangler. You can just check online. If you get bit by a snake, call Poison Control, 800-222-1222. Get to the nearest emergency room. Stay calm. Remove your rings. Don't try to suck the venom. Don't cut the the wound. Don't tourniquet. Don't bite it. Don't ice it. Uh, Most rattlesnake bites are actually accidental, but all are dangerous and all can be fatal. 
I still haven't found the rattlesnake that's in my garden, so I have to be extra cash, uh, cautious, especially when I'm weeding, waiting in my boots. Last night, I opened my door to go out to barbecue, and out there was a huge skunk. I shut the door. I thought, okay, I'm not going to barbecue. 20 minutes later, I turned on the light to see if it was gone, and now there was a big raccoon. So um, the animals are out there, and even though I prefer to walk around in, in my yard with my bikini and barefoot, I know I got to have my cowboy boots on. So enjoy your summer, and just stay clear of the rats, the rattles, and the voles. Well, thank you so much for listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Make sure you are tuned in to Voice America, the empowerment channel, Right here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, every Wednesday, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific, where I always try to bring you the latest news and things that can help you in your life, whether it be in health, happiness, personal growth, books, etc. My new book, Growing with the Goddess Gardener, is supposed to be here any moment. I know they've been saying that, but it really is coming. Check CynthiaBryan.com. To make a donation to Be The Star You Are, visit BeTheStarYouAre.org. My aim is to encourage, inspire, inform, amuse, and motivate you. See beyond your physical being. Know you're ready to star. Cherish the past. Dream of the future. And celebrate every moment of your life. And again, do check out my website, CynthiaBryan.com forward slash books. And you'll see the new book, Growing with the Goddess Gardener as well as uh, this one will be a few months, but Be The Star You Are for Millennials. But you can buy Be The Star You Are, Be The Star You Are for Teens, Chicken Soup for the Gardener Soul, Business of Show Business, and many other books that I have written. So remember that you are the greatest. You just be you. Get what you want out of life. Imagine your dreams as if they already exist. Speak as if they already exist and act as if they already exist. Until next Wednesday from 4 to 5 when we celebrate right here on Voice America Empowerment Channel. Love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles will keep us happy. My name is Cynthia Bryan for Star Style, thanking you and encouraging you to be the star you are. Have a fabulous week, and thank you for joining me. Be the star you are, the star you been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program star style be the star you are we have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire inform entertain and motivate you to be the star you were born to be for more information visit starstyleradio.com and to make a donation to the charity go to be the star you ignite the flame that burns brightly within Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan, every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are.